0: that term but it basically means that humans have an innate genetic need to have a connection to nature and this is like it's like might as well be like a law of science right (laughs) it's like and I'm fascinated by the fact that we don't learn this in exercise science or exercise physiology classes we just it's not part of the curriculum and for whatever reason it's separated into biology right But me having had all this diversity of education, this was always a compliment for me. There was never was a separation. And also the way I was raised by a father who taught AP biology right alongside human anatomy, right? Like, um, um, anyway, basically we are of the earth, right? We are nature, we're 80% water and the rest of us is minerals.
1: Hi, I'm Pete McCall. And thank you for tuning in to this episode ...of the All About Fitness podcast. That voice you just heard is a guest for this episode, personal trainer and author, Melanie Webb. However, before I go into the full introduction for Melanie, if you want to learn how high-intensity exercise can help slow down the effects of the aging process... ...and it can. There's a tremendous amount of research out there that suggests that high-intensity strength training, metabolic conditioning, and other forms of exercise... ...can really change your body and help slow down the effects of time. Ageless Intensity will be out in August and is now available for pre-sale. There's a link down below in the show notes so you can be one of the first to receive a great resource... ...that will help you slow down the effects of time on your bodies. Over the course of my 20 plus year career in the fitness industry... ...I have been extremely fortunate to work with a number of excellent fitness professionals who are dedicated to helping others improve their lives through exercise. Melanie Webb and I worked together for a few years in Washington, D.C. And while I knew that she was an excellent trainer, capable of changing her clients' lives, there was a lot I didn't know about her full background and her knowledge of the outdoors. Uh, Let's face it, there are people that you work with in your office when you did work in an office, but there are people that you work with in your office that you see every day and you may know a little bit about them and you change decent pleasantries but how much do you really know? And this was an opportunity for me to catch up and really get to learn a little bit more about an old colleague and somebody who I stay in touch with on social media. Yes, Melanie and I worked together in Washington, D.C., but at some point I moved to California and Melanie returned back home to Utah where she grew up. She has evolved into leading adventure trips. Melanie has developed an entire business based on helping people explore the benefits of getting outside for exercise, which led her to write the book, Adventures in Mother Nature's Gym. She wants to help others learn how to maximize their enjoyment of the great outdoors. And exercising outdoors isn't just good for your muscles. As you're going to learn in this episode, and I did, this was was some news to me. Melanie shared some information that really just kind of blew me away. But moving outside in nature can provide benefits for your entire body. This interview wraps up an entire series I've been doing on Creative Workout Solutions. You heard Mike Fitch, the creator of Animal Flow, talk about the benefits of bodyweight exercise. Katie Bowman, a biomechanicist and author, discussed her new book Grow Wild and how to help your entire family be more active. My good buddy strength coach Bobby Congleton spoke about the benefits of the conjugated method of strength training for helping his teen clients earn college scholarships and pro contracts. And on this episode, it is a pleasure to catch up with an old friend to learn about the benefits of getting outside to move and exercise in nature as you'll learn there are some very specific benefits for both your body and brain that could help us in this era of constantly being engaged and online here to discuss adventures in mother nature's gym personal trainer entrepreneur author and friend miss melanie webb i'm pete mccall and on today i'm all about fitness it's fun to catch up with, with an old, old friend and an author, Ms. Melanie Webb. Melanie, how are you doing today? And, and thank you for taking the time to join me.
0: I'm doing great, Pete. And thank you for having me on the show.
1: Yeah. So, with people, it's fun. to Mel, it's, it's so fun to do this. And, and of course, you're Melanie, but I, I've known you for a while, so I'm going to call you Mel. What's fun is when I catch up with old friends and colleagues who are now doing different things in the fitness industry. So, how far does our relationship go back for listeners? I'll let you describe it a little bit.
0: You know, I was thinking about this myself, trying to track it back. I I know where it started. I'd have to work. We'll have to work together on the year. But I'm going to put us in the Sports Club LA in Washington, D.C., circa 2004 to 2008 is when I was there. And what I remember is you coming in to lead certification courses for us.
1: Yeah, no, I was, so I was an instructor there for a while when I lived in DC, I was a group fitness instructor and that's when you first started working there and I would have put it another Great. year or two earlier. So I'm sure 2004 is right. In fact, now that I think about it, I think you started right about the same time as Kareem and just so you know, he's going to be another uh, Sports Club LA alum, alum that, we, that I speak with soon. And for oh. listeners, that's Kareem, uh, Kareem Abdul Al-Jabbar who uh, played football in the NFL before he became a personal trainer. But I think, didn't you and Kareem start about the same time, if I'm remembering? I believe we
0: did. We did. And we went through the NASM Advantage Trainer course the first time when when it was rolled out to the club. So he and I were the first batch. I want to say there were five or six of us that that jumped on board and did that. So, yeah, Kareem, definitely a colleague. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm in touch with a number of our colleagues from there as well. And it's like – Really, fan, phenomenal, fantastic group of people.
1: It is. It is so fun to to see to have worked in an area like D.C. and, and now see so many people doing different things. You no, know, like it's funny. You remember, you know, Christy, obviously, who is the fitness manager. I think she might have hired you. Yes, um, and Christy and I stay in touch. We both work on a program through NASM together, and so and mm-hmm. and I stay in touch with her and her husband. Who they're now up in, in Maryland. But we're not there to talk about Sports Club LA because where are you originally from? I think it's so cool because I don't know that many people from your state, as I was kind of telling you before I hit your record. Where did you grow up?
0: I grew up in Orem, Utah, which is on the Wasatch Front under the shadow of an 11,000-foot mountain about one hour south of Salt Lake City, if you know where that is. So when I was growing up, it was very – it wasn't rural. It was very suburbia, you know, but I was surrounded by orchards and – um, farmers. And, um, at that time where, you know, Utah was distinct now it's all a suburban sprawl, but, um, everything was separate at that time.
1: Fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. If you want to learn more about exercise, how to design your own workout programs and how being fit can help you to manage the aging process and enhance your quality of life then here are a few online education courses for you. Anyone can take these courses to learn more about how exercise affects your body, and fitness professionals can earn continuing education credits for ACE, AFA, and NASM. Dynamic Anatomy will teach you how your muscles and fascia work together to move your body so you can identify the best exercises for your goals. Dynamic Anatomy will teach you more about how specific muscles in your body function when you move. The course is approved for two continuing education credits for ACE, AFA, and NASM. The online course is $29. The ebook itself is only $7. Exercise Program Design for the Fountain of Youth online course teaches the science of how endurance, strength training, and explosive power exercises can not only give you a strong, healthy body, but could actually help slow down the effects of the aging process so that you can find your fountain of youth and extend your lifespan. The online course is $49 and is approved for 0.3 ACECs, 0.4 NASM CECs, and 4 AFCECs. CECs. The ebook itself, which just gives an overview of the science, is available for only $7. Being fit means that you have choices for how you can live your life. Fitness is freedom. Each of these resources is created to help you learn how to use exercise and fitness to enhance your quality of life and extend your lifespan. The information is below in the show notes or at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Now, let's get back to the interview. Well, what many people don't know, and, and the reason why I know Orem Utah is Orem is my middle name. It's a, a, a Scottish name. from. It was my father's middle name. So, really? my father, yeah, so I'm, I'm technically Peter Orm McCall. So <laughs> that is uh, nobody better copy my, my name now and use it to a hack into things. So what and What did you do like growing up? What, I think it's because I grew up in suburbia. I mean, you, you're talking about suburbia, but you are out in the middle of the the wilds of Utah, even though you're around, you, you were in a re- residential area. But I grew up in like suburbia right outside of Washington, D.C., What was it like growing up with access to the Wasatch Range and to being around so much nature?
0: It was wild. I would say we were just very all-natural, wild kids, you know. Um, Like, um, the things our parents allowed us to do were, um, you know, go up the canyons, go to the lakes, ride our bikes. I mean, you know, um, so whereas D.C. is like, you know, extremely urban packed in that whole area, that was not how mine was. Like this was a very, you know, each city was distinct and you had to drive through the fields to get to the next one. So I felt um, it was a very safe upbringing and we just were absolutely outdoors all the time. Um, I personally did not grow up skiing because my siblings and I were ball sport athletes. Mm. So uh, I played volleyball and softball. My brothers and sisters um, played primarily basketball. But our coaches really, coaches really didn't like the kids to ski because if you broke a leg or something skiing, all, you know, their team is in trouble. So, um, I didn't start with the outdoor adrenaline kind of sports until I got out of high school.
1: And where did you, so, but did you do any hiking or camping or any of that growing up? I mean, I think that was one of the cool things about being in that area. And would, would you guys go out just hiking or, I mean, what was that like?
0: A lot. So so I should preface this by saying my dad, so my dad was a biology teacher, human mm. anatomy, AP biology. He graded the AP biology tests. He won the Science Teacher of America Award once. Oh, cool. So so I was his little protege basically, but all four of us, um, you know, in the summertime, since he didn't teach school, he worked for the Forest Service of the Fish and Game. And so my dad was also a big outdoorsman. So yeah, we grew up in the summers since he was a teacher going camping. And a lot of that was in Southern Utah um, and then trips out to California. And they were all very science-based, you know, since <laughs> if your dad's a science teacher, you're always going to be like hands-on learning about your environment. And, um, but yeah, we, my dad was a hiker also at the time when I was little. And so, yeah, we hiked mountains and uh, I mean, these are mountains, right? I remember when I moved to DC, my you know, coworkers would be like, you know, Mel, these, these, these are mountains too. <laughs> you
1: know? uh, and, Appalachians I know minute, don't like, hold a candle. The, the, the Appalachians don't hold a candle to, uh, to what it's out in Utah.
0: It's very, it's just very different. This mountain range is much younger. It's much more raw and, you know, a lot more rocky and dangerous frankly (laughs) so
1: well i I obviously didn't know that about your dad i think that's so cool and it's cool to hear you brag on him a little bit i think that's i mean to to win teacher of the year and just just so i can tell you mel i'm a girl dad i have two girls and and i don't know if you know this i mean do you live near your dad now now that you're back in utah
0: we're about an hour away from each other now Mm -hmm.
1: So you still see him relatively often
0: yeah, see them several. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say every single month, but I, I get down there. Yeah. But you see
1: them see them often up Well, I, the reason why I say that is just so you know, you I I know you're you're a full grown adult, but your dad is always looking at you like you're that little three year old holding on to you know holding holding his two fingers with your hand because I know you no know, I, I told my daughters that no matter how old you become, no matter how successful you become. As a father, I'm always gonna look at you as that little two to three year old holding I mean, just so you know, that's that's where your dad who loves you and supports you to the end of the days, your dad is always gonna look at you as that as that little girl. Do you ever do you get that sense? Am I wrong in that?
0: I get that sense every time I bring a guy home. <laughs> <laughs> he just won't have anything to do with them. <laughs> like he's just over it.
1: <laughs> well, just, just so you know, that's what's going through his mind. When he sees when he sees a guy come in, I'm sure I'm sure you you're dating nice gentlemen who are very <laughs> who who are, are very good guys. But as a dad, he's going, it's just my little three-year-old there. And this is my little three-year-old. My little yeah. three-year-old. I mean, I just, I just let you know now that, I'm, now that I'm in those shoes of of knowing what that's like with a girl. Well, I think that's cool. Now, where do you live now? Because we knew each other from D.C. and we've each migrated out to the West Coast. Yeah. But obviously, I'm in Southern California and you're back in Utah. But what part of Utah?
0: I'm in Park City now. So I, I like to say, you know, when I first came back here, I didn't really know where to land. <laughs> so initially, I was in Southern Utah for a while. And I've kind of moved my way around this giant mountain range. So, uh, but I am in Park City now, where I just love the lifestyle up here. I'm only 30 minutes to Salt Lake City, and um, but I can be skiing in 10 minutes if I want. So, to.
1: do you have a season pass? Do you have a pass? Oh, yeah. yeah, And now I have a vague recollection. My wrongness. Do I remember you having a cast? I want to say your arm. For it was that from snowboarding once upon a time.
0: No, that was an old softball injury, actually. So, softball and volleyball players get lax shoulders okay. and they dislocate. So, actually, and you do remember correctly, I had a okay. surgery when I was in DC to stop it from dislocating. Um, basically, I, I was playing in one of those c- competitive red, red sippy cup or Zippo cup softball oh, leagues on the mall and not swung that. the bat. And this was, you know, I'd been playing baseball or softball since I was like seven years old. And I was about, I was 30 at this time and my shoulder just ripped out of the socket.
1: Oof, 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 oof.
0: It was a bad one. And um, I worked for a long time with physical therapists to get it to stop dislocating. And it just, it didn't, it would pop out when I sneezed. And so anyway, yeah, I had surgery. It was a pretty major surgery there.
1: Yeah, I remember you being in a cast for a while, but maybe that, maybe because I knew you were a snowboarder, that that's, that's why I associated with it. I, for some reason, I thought it was a snowboarding injury. Um, I, th-
0: I think the snowboarding didn't help. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it oh, didn't, didn't help, but it did happen swinging the baseball bat. So, oh, really?
1: That, that's what caused it?
0: Group. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. I, said I didn't realize that. Now, are you a skier or a snowboarder? I should, should ask that.
0: Well, that's a good question. I snowboarded for about 20 years and it sounds like a really, now I sound super old, but now I switched over to skiing about four years ago because I just needed to watch myself learn a new sport. Like Mm. my athlete brain and body needed to adapt and be challenged. And, you know, when you lay in bed at night and rehearse your performance and like, think about how you can improve. And I, as a snowboarder, I just wasn't getting that anymore. And and I also, that part of me that has a shoulder that dislocates, like I just really didn't want any more of those body slam falls. Even if you get one a year, it's still one a year, you know? So I just felt it was the right time to start learning to ski.
1: Interesting. No, cause I grew up, I grew up skiing, but of course, East coast Hills, nothing like, nothing like what you have in, in park city. And I haven't gone back to the snow. The funny thing as a high as a kid in high school, I did a lot more days in the snow than I have as an adult, and I had no money back then. But now it's the time, right? It's like, do I really want to take two days, three days to go somewhere and go skiing and 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 do that? So it's not really like I, you know, it's it just hasn't been that important to me. Now, one of the things, Mel, that, that I want to have you on the on the podcast for because we've been connected through Facebook, and what what I really have enjoyed seeing. Is this business that you've evolved? That this business that you've grown into, and talk about that a little bit because you you do fitness. You're still a personal trainer, but you've kind of evolved a, a whole another business. What what are you doing now? What what did you kind of grow into when you returned back to Utah? Well,
0: what I what I grew. It's funny what I grew into actually started in D.C. But it came out of my roots of being from here and this lifestyle that I felt like I had missed, you know, like moving from somewhere like this, uh, where there's really a nice work play balance. And then going to D.C. where all of a sudden it was just work, 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 and I could squeeze in a run, but then it was work, work, work. And so I would frequently take adventure trips and my clients would watch me go do these things. And they eventually started Either wanting to come with me or asking me to plan their own trip and guide them, and so I started putting the soul fitness adventure my business. And I remember coming up with the name. I was driving somewhere. I think I was going to form the LLC, and I called my brother. I was like, "I don't know what to call this thing." <laughs> so we just came up with that name on the fly: Soul Fitness Adventures. And it was basically formed as a boutique tour operator. With the, you know, the slogan is like where health and wellness meets the outdoors. And so, um, and, and it evolved like basically these bucket list trips, but I would train my clients and get them ready for it. And then I would take them on it. And, and once I moved out West again, now all of a sudden I could really access it on a regular basis. It was no longer just let's plan a big trip six months out and go do it. It was like, okay, now I can really do this as part of the integrated training for my clients
1: do you hear that no you barely hear a thing this is a new accelerate percussion massage gun by nimble i've been using this for the past few weeks and absolutely love it first as you can tell it's not that noisy if you've ever been in the gym and wondered who the heck is using an air hammer only to find out it's one of those massage guns you know how loud they can be This one is super quiet, which means you can use it around other members of your family when they're asleep, either late at night or early in the morning. I saw the first one of these back in 2007, and the cost was more than $2,000. And the prices come down substantially. The way a massage gun works is it activates the muscle spindles and the Golgi tendon organs in your muscle tissue to help relieve tension. There's some great research out there. I've read it. Trust me. I am loving this massage gun, and if you love to exercise, if you love to work out, if you love to push yourself, and you want good sources of recovery so you can get back to that next workout, I highly, highly recommend the Accelerate Massage Gun by Nimble. There'll be a link down below in the show notes. Because you listen to All About Fitness, because you're an All About Fitness listener, use code AAF20. That's AAF20 to save 20% on the purchase of an Accelerate Nimble Percussion Massage gun of your own. If you're looking for a great source of recovery, I highly recommend it. information is down below in the show notes. Let's get back to the interview. Um, Well, well, Let's take a step back real quick and talk about where we were in D.C. at the Sports Club L.A. because it wasn't just a regular health club. I mean, it was... Where where the health club was, it was part of the Ritz Carlton complex. It's now Equinox bought the clubs in 2014, I think it was, and it was part of you had you had the Ritz Carlton hotel complex, and then you had the Ritz Carlton um, condominium complex, and yeah. in the condominium, that's where Michael Jordan lived when he was when he was in D.C. and then I think Fred Smith, Fred Smith, the owner of um, the owner of, of uh, FedEx. Had a condo in that building as well. Had a condo in that development. So we were working, and we had access to, and also to the Bush daughters. We were there during the Bush administration. The Bush yeah. daughters, because I remember Monica would tell me that the Bush daughters would come to her Tuesday night class. And so I just want—I want people to know that that's the type of health club that we were working in. So it was working with with members and with clients who had access to resources. So you started. So what kind of what kind of vacations did clients want you to help them plan? What, what where did you get started with?
0: great question so my very first one ever uh, and this was re- this was really fun for me um, I had a number of clients who would go sign on to big group trips with big tour operators and go international and go cycling and wine tasting right um, and and then they would come back or they would go to the big spa retreats like um, Rancho la puerta or Um, you know, these five-day immersions, and then they'd come back and be like, well, I didn't really love it. Like, I was just plugged into their program, and they weren't doing what I wanted to do, right? They weren't these private, customized experiences. And so because of the resources these clients had, and because so many of them were self-made business people themselves, they kind of started pushing me to, like, go a business route. I think they pro- might've seen my, I had an entrepreneurial nature, I guess, but I didn't know what I was doing. And so one, basically one, it was one client, her name was Jessie, and she had a niece that was graduating from college and she wanted to take her on a really memorable trip together and their family skis and they're a very active family, but she wanted to come to Utah and she wanted to see it in the summertime because mm-hmm. my, if I remember, they ski here in the winter, but they'd never been here in the summer. And so, Um, and I was mentioning, they wanted it to be several days and I was mentioning this to another client who says to me, well, you know, I own a hotel at Deer Valley, right? (laughs) And I, I was like, oh wait, you're, oh yeah, you're that family that owns hotels and ski resorts in Utah. And so, um, you know, so she taught me how you work with the hotel to create that partnership. And then the other woman basically taught me like what she did on these trips that she would hire and pay these big tour operators on. And then I took my own background of growing up in these wild places and guiding from being a biologist was a big part of my work in that field. So it really just came very natural to me once I had the mentoring and building blocks and actually a a client who lived in the ritz carlton residences was a luxury travel um, travel agent at the time. Oh wow. So she taught me how to make margins. <laughs> Priced out. Yeah, <laughs> like, right.
1: Yeah. So well yeah. margins. Why why are those important? What what are margins? Yeah. I, yeah.
0: I would have done it for free just to say, like, oh, I get to go home and go hiking for a few days. Um, but yeah, so I just was surrounded by these awesome mentors, basically.
1: That's so cool. Now, real quick, it's funny you mentioned Rancho La Puerta, so I'm going to do a quick plug here, but I just signed on. Um, I'll be announcing this later on the podcast in future episodes, but I'm going to actually be doing a week there in September of 2021 to with the, with the, the release of uh, Aegis Intensity. So I'll be doing a full week at, at Rancho La Porta as one of the guest instructors and a guest speaker of where I'll be going through and talking about Smarter Workouts and talking about ageless intensity. So for listeners, you can kind of keep an eye on that. Rancho La Porta is this great spa just over the border near Tecate, Mexico. And they'll, you fly into San Diego airport, the bus picks you up, and you spend a wonderful week at a resort. in. And I didn't even think about the smell as we were getting ready for this. But you said Rancho La Porta, so I figured, <laughs> hey, plug, plug, plug. Okay. Um, yeah, but so I'll have uh, so for listeners, I'll have information on that about if you want to schedule a great vacation. San Diego is beautiful in in, in September and be a great time just to get away and and we should be able to travel by then. Now I want to come back. Now we're coming back to you, Mel. We're going to come back and focus on you. Um,
0: well, first I have to say congratulations. Oh, thank because you. They have a phenomenal reputation. I mean, they're one of the first destination spas in the U.S. at that caliber. So that is no small nod to you and your work. Well,
1: thank you. And then what I'll do is uh, I also will put you in touch. I need to follow up with them anyway to just finish up the paperwork. But I'd be more than happy to put you in touch with them too because I think you'd be perfect for – Doing that type of work, I mean, and that's and I mean that's one of the hidden things. I mean, that's why it's funny, Monica. And you knew my ex wife a little bit, but Monica and I, we didn't have kids right away because we were living in D.C. and she would go on these resort trips. So, maybe one to three times a year, we'd go do a week in a resort in Jamaica or somewhere in the Caribbean where she was the guest instructor, and we got to stay for free. So what people don't realize about the fitness industry is there's this whole underground economy of us being able to go be a personal trainer or be a visiting instructor. Did you ever do any of that before you started SoulFit?
0: You know, I never did. I started thinking about it last year, actually, right before COVID shut everything down. I was speaking to a man who, he's kind of like the broker between fitness people and these really luxury properties around the world. And we Mm -hmm. were talking about that. And um, and then I just, you know, unfortunately got shut down but it's something i've thought about a lot
1: because i think you'd be perfect at that now i to again i'm going to come back to you i just listeners might not be aware that there aren't a way you guys you guys are fit you get to wear sweatpants for for work for a living and you get to go on these killer resort vacations <laughs> <Yes>. yeah yeah <laughs> that is one of the nice things but one of the things i didn't bring this up yet but i think it's so cool in your background mel what'd you study in college well first where did you go to college i don't i, I know i saw that in your bio but it's not off the top of my head
0: well, so I I started at a small state school called Dixie State University in southern Utah. Um, the town has grown a lot since I was there, but it's in, in the very southwestern corner of the state called St. George, and it's only an hour and a half away from Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which was really great as a college student. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah, right.
0: We had Las Vegas an hour and a half in one direction, and Zion National Park 40 minutes in the other direction. Oh, wow. And, I mean, it was Mojave Desert, Red Rock. We just, you know, studied really hard, uh, my friends and I, and then we just mountain biked, rock climbed, explored. Like, it was wild and great. So I did my first two years there, um, graduated with an associate of associate of life sciences, transferred to Brigham Young University in Provo, um, where I was accepted into the athletic training program. And at the time, and I imagine they still do, but they had an extremely highly, um, highly accredited, competitive athletic training program. And I wanted to be a physical therapist. Um, so getting into that program was awesome. And I transferred to BYU, which was where I was close to where I grew up, which I, you know, I really didn't want to go to college where I grew up. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone wants that college experience where they go away, but that's where the program was. So I came back home, went to BYU and somewhere in that program, maybe, maybe a year and a half in, you know, at the time it was like what you had to do, like 2000 volunteer hour internship. And I kind of started seeing the writing on the wall. There were two female athletic trainers in the NCAA at the time. And I just, and you, you know, the average athletic trainer was coming out, um, working as a high school athletic trainer and then full-time teaching on top of that. And my, because my dad was a teacher, I'd seen how hard that was. And I was like, "I, I don't want to do that. And so I switched gears and I ended up graduating, um, I ended up going into zoology pre-med basically. So I had like three and a half years of physical therapy bound life sciences. And I ended up graduating with a degree in human biology and developmental physiology. Hmm. So I basically picked up some really hard sciences in genetics, evolution, um, natural history. And um, so I came out really prepared to go either direction whether I followed the human body route or the biology route. And that's kind of what I've done. I can't seem to pull one foot ever completely out of the other. So.
1: Well, real quick, I just want to, for listeners, I want to talk about what an athletic trainer does. Cause I, I think a lot of people hear athletic trainer and they think like either strength coach or personal trainer, but a strength coach works with athletes to get athletes strong for playing their sport. The goal of a strength coach, the role of a strength coach is to keep athletes on the field and injury free. The role of a personal trainer is we help clients achieve whatever goals they have in front of them. But what exactly does an athletic trainer do? How is an athletic trainer different from those other two?
0: Oh, great question. Well, what I would say is they have the ability to like – you know if you see athletes come out and they're all taped up if they have an injury you're doing some modality work like hot cold treatments um taping joints assessing injury on the site like so you're an athletics trainer is at the games at the practices making sure those athletes are safe and that if something does happen they're getting care immediately and getting sent to the proper um you know i mean not like like an nfl is going to have a team doctor on the sidelines right um but working with athletes to keep them healthy and safe and deal with injuries is what I would
1: – how I would well, answer. No, that, that's that's exactly it because when you look at it, I mean people get the idea, especially if, if you – I mean you're you're a pretty high competitive high school athlete yeah. and you see that and you're like, oh, that looks like a great job. But for listeners, being a high school athletic trainer is – I've seen – I mean as a rugby coach, you know, we see – we have to have them on the sidelines – that's a miserable job because if you're an athletic trainer for a school, you're there, you're working with all the programs, you're getting kids taped up. I mean, it's a tough, tough job. So it's a lot different than personal training. I just wanted to, I wanted to make that distinction because people might hear, I've heard people reference to us as personal trainers as athletic trainers. It's like, no, we're not athletic trainers. And I've heard people really? reference to strength coaches as athletic trainers. It's like, no, those are different worlds. So I just wanted to take a moment. To, to separate those worlds. But what did you do for a couple of years um, before you got into fitness full time? What was your because I think that's such a cool thing.
0: Yeah, well, so I graduated from college, right? It took me five and a half years by the time I got out with that with that mixed bag of, of specialties. And um, after I took a year off to ski and travel and backpack, because I was so burned out, I I went in and I became a wildlife biologist. So I went to work for the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, went back to St. George as my base. And I specialized in uh, working with endangered fish and amphibian species. So we were like the native aquatics department. And, you know, the rest of Utah was all big game, right? Like deer, mountain lions, moose hunting it's kind of a hunting state and so in southern utah my uniform was a pair of tivas and some river shorts and a t-shirt and and we basically um but we had a massive area so it was everywhere west of the colorado river and everywhere uh and then we went north along the nevada border up into what's called the west desert mm. these are wild areas just you could have a hundred miles without civilization easily. Um, and our job was to fish species, which were really amazing species, like one of a kind in the world that were really in danger because of the pressure being put on the water resources in a state like Utah, which is currently in a drought, right? Um, and so for three years basically I did that work and um you know got to the got promotions and became a manager and would hire my crews and then we would go out. I did a lot of camping at that time. So I might be camping for six weeks in the spring and another six weeks in the fall. And we basically, if anyone has ever heard of the Zion Narrows, it's kind of a bucket list, big hike that people like to do. Um, That's the Virgin River, which is part of the Colorado River drainage. And we basically would walk every inch of that river, making sure that the fish were not um, going extinct basically. So, but a lot of science, research, data, number crunching, but also just incredible amounts of time being outside.
1: And see, I had no idea. I, you know, looking through your bio, that that sounds, honestly, that sounds like such a cool job now, right? Yeah. I mean, after we've been in the industry, after we've been working for a number of years, it's like, Wait, I would love to be away from people, living, living in the wilderness, and doing that. So it sets you up well. Now, I didn't realize you had such an extensive background. So now, with what you do with with the Soulfit Adventures, do you train people? I mean, I'm sure last year is an anomaly. 2020 is anomaly. So 2020 aside, do you work with people specifically to go on adventures? How does that? How does your business operate? Like, what is what structure does it have?
0: That's a good question. I'll tell you this. It's evolved a lot since those days. Um, early on after I left DC and came back here and I really just dug in and put the, you know, put the framework around it. And it was, um, a lot of multi my specialty was multi-day trips and it was a lot of utah national parks because that was such a destination for people so it became some there were times when i there were years where i didn't work as a personal trainer at all but i was attracting travelers who wanted active vacations with someone with my skill sets if that makes sense so i could really tailor these experiences to their fitness levels and i could be coaching them along the way so say we did a core workout in the morning in some spectacular outdoor space and then we would explore it doing whatever hiking biking stand-up paddling and then do meditation and they'd get a massage and all that and i'd say it's evolved a lot and to the point where a couple of years ago um i went to mexico with a man for three weeks who just really needed to change his life like he needed to get away from home radically break away from some bad habits and remind himself that he has a relationship with his body, you know, and for him, um, he actually, it was an amazing experience. And we talked a lot about my, reaching a point where I really did not want to be traveling all the time anymore. And, um, it wasn't sustainable. Me wearing all the hats, you know, it was like, how do I, how do I scale this thing? It became a real business thing. Um, and so I've kind of morphed it now to where I I'm the I'm the performance coach working with power players in recovery. And we're going to do that with the nature immersion.
1: Oh, cool. I like so that. So nature
0: becomes the healer, right? And we spend like slow time out there. And whatever recovery is, whether it's injury or substances or work been workaholic for 30 years, you know. So that it's a better pace on my body now. Also, I'm not trying to keep up with year round active vacations. Like I, I learned the hard way that I needed rest also um, kind of drove myself. I ended up getting adrenal fatigue one year when I guided. Wow. Too much. Yeah. Which is where I also had to learn balance.
1: You know. <laughs> well in a dream, for for listeners, adrenal fatigue is a severe case of overtraining. That just is from being too active, your body doesn't doesn't recover. So let me get this right. You were overtrained from taking people on vacation. Is that I mean, and I'm not I'm not making light of that, but I, I can see of where you just constantly, especially as a trainer, especially if, if from the type of person I remember you being, Melanie, is you're very giving and you're very focused on your clients. So I could see how doing what you're doing would lead to, to that fatigue. So your business now, do you, do people hire you to get I mean, how does that work now? What what's the what's different about it?
0: Yeah, so the difference, um, I rarely put out as is- I really put out a set of dates that says like, Hey, come to this trip I'm doing. I I haven't been successful at all in that model, which, you know, you see a lot of people being very successful at that. And I'm always like, how come I can't do that? But I think it's because who I am as a person. And, and as thank you for that compliment, like I'm all there with that client. Like, like I am very giving and supportive and, and something about my nature really gets behind people in that setting, like probably that athletic trainer that studied the injuries and the healing and the part of me that's been injured a lot, I can really bring that forward and support people. So yeah, they're basically coming to me saying, Hey, I'm coming off of whatever this thing is, and I'm trying to create this new lifestyle and good habits around it. And I really need some support right now. Um, And so I'm integrating with their medical team, if there is one. Uh, most of the time there is one. And there was, you know, a lot of trainers know this, that your clients probably have a physical therapist or an orthopedic surgeon at some point in time. And you've got to communicate with them and find out what the contraindications are. And um, it's just all, it's really amazing because it's all of my background coming together and it's all of my life experiences coming together. And it means I don't do the same volume of clients that I used to. Um, Like now I and I probably only have them for a short period of time um, before they're weaned and ready to go. Um, but that's a better pace for me now than after burnout, like I've had with the constant travel. And now I can travel again because I want to. <laughs> I know that the poor me, right? I got yeah. I to travel so much. But, like, it is a grind. And these vacations, those, the big active vacations, they could be, like, you know six seven hours a day of exercise and when you're doing that 10 days in a row over and over and over again throughout the year it's just um like i said it, it wasn't a sustainable model for me so i've morphed it now into a model that i can i think i can grow old with this one
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're not getting older no we're staying the same everybody else is changing we're we're staying the same now real quick what's what are the benefits whether you, you talk about recovery and different methods of recovery But why is nature so important? What is it? What's so restorative about getting out on the trails, whether it's for a hike or whether it's for a mountain bike, but what's so restorative? And is there any science behind that about being in nature?
0: That's such a great question. And it's summed up actually in one word, which people may or not have heard before. It's called biophilia Hmm. and biophilia was, um, First created, or I would say coined by a psychoanalyst called Eric Fromm, and then a biologist named um, E.O. Wilson, who is a famous ecologist and he's done some amazing research, uh, did that term. But it basically means that humans have an innate genetic need to have a connection to nature. And this is like, it's like, might as well be like a law of science, right? <laughs> it's like, and I'm fascinated by the fact that we don't learn this in exercise science or exercise physiology classes. We just, it's not part of the curriculum. And for whatever reason, it's separated into biology, right? But me having had all of this diversity of education, this was always a compliment for me. There was never was a separation. And also the way I was raised by a father who taught AP biology, right alongside human anatomy, right? Like, um, um, anyway, basically we are of the earth, right? We are nature. We're 80% water and the rest of us is minerals. And interesting.
1: I like, I like, hold on. I'm, I'm going to stay there for a second. Okay. So, so basically look at I mean, cause what there's that old saying when somebody gets put in the ground, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And I knew the part about water, but, it, but I never really thought about it, Mel in terms of minerals, but you're your abs, I mean, bones are calcium. We have, you know, we have a, a, an enormous amount of sodium in our body for optimal muscle function. I like that. I like that. Sorry. I'm just going to be, now I'm going to be meditating on that. You know, we, here we are here. <laughs> we're the rest. We're, 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 majority water than the rest minerals. But and so what's that mean for our body? Why is it so important to be, be in nature?
0: Well, what it means is that nature really harmonizes us. And, and I mean, in really cool ways, Research that has come out and been done by scientists on this very thing. What is happening to the human mind when we are in water, when we're in a green forest and not even in water, but even just looking at it, the brain creates different chemicals. Like our brains have a response to just looking at nature. They've actually found that the most calming landscape there is, is something like the Serengeti, like a prairie. Hmm. Um, and, and what they've found is that evolutionarily back in the day, you needed to be able to see predators coming. You needed to be able to see your enemy coming. So if you could be on a landscape where that was just flat with views miles and miles away, you had a feeling of safety and security. And and it's really interesting because this is our evolution, right? This is how so many centuries were, thousands and thousands of years of our human ancestors lived. So that is in our DNA, it's in our genes but now we're just kind of industrialized and we're not interacting with our nature as much anymore. So um, okay. what I'm advocating for is let's, this is biology. This is how we're meant to be living with a connection, like a real personal hands-on connection to nature.
1: Well, I'm just sick. Cause we we're talking for a minute or two before I hit record. And I know listeners, you said you, have heard some of my podcasts, where I talk about mountain biking but that's one of the things I love about where I ride is I ride on it's, it's it's in the coastal range in north county san diego and it's about it's not it's not far but it's it's a it's a 40 minute climb but at the top of the climb you see I can see all the way to Dana Point which is up in southern orange county I can see down to the islands which are part of part of Mexico I guess that makes me qualified to run for a vice president on the Republican ticket if I want to go. <laughs> if I want to go little political, because I can see Mexico from my mountain. Just
0: using crosshairs, okay?
1: No, exactly right. No, but but the point is, I mean, there's something so satisfying, Mel, about when I get to the top of the hill. No matter how many times I've been up it, whether I bike up it, whether I hike up it. There's something I'm just thinking about it now. There's something very soul satisfying about seeing that view, about seeing that panorama of the Pacific Ocean in front, the I don't the 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 mountains in South Orange County to to my north, the mountains of Mexico down to my left to, to the south. There's something very satisfying, and it's very interesting to hear you say. That this is innate in our nature. What do your clients say? After your clients spend a few days with you, whether they're going through slot canyons or whether they're paddle boarding, what's the response your clients give you about being about being able to engage in nature?
0: They're just totally different human beings. I mean, honestly, speaking of aging, they look 10 years younger. Um, most of the time, if if I can, if I can get them to a slot canyon, cell phones don't work. So you watch them go through this metamorphosis of initially it's like, Oh my gosh, I don't service. Right. Like, and then all of a sudden it's permission to put that thing away and uh, which we all need, I think. Um, And, and all of a sudden, yeah, just the years come off literally. And, and one, so I've heard clients say before, like they can exhale now, like, Mm. like they're just running around in this fight or flight, holding their breath stage. And all of a sudden they're like, ah, right? Like it feels like relaxation. And um, it's really cool to watch that process.
1: Well, with with everything in the last year with with COVID, and I don't, I'm trying to move beyond that, but I really think one one of the benefits about the past year is, is, look, for those of us that make a living in health clubs and gyms and studios, this has been a very challenging year. But if you take that aside, I think one of the best things about it is it got people outside again. I mean, there have been, I've seen a number of different articles just about how I, a number of people are roller skating now. I, I see more and more people on Instagram sharing things about roller skating. Bike trails, the mountain bike trails here in San Diego are just busy as heck. And yeah. bikes, bike stores are sold out for a little while. How do you, do you think that one of the hidden blessings of COVID, Mel, and the past year, do you think that one of those, um, one, one of the hidden blessings is the fact that people made a return to nature?
0: Oh, yes. I agree with that. And it's been a lot of fun following the research, hasn't it? And the articles coming out like, like, hey, this is what's happening. Like now there's this massive demand for nature. And, you know, the national parks in southern Utah just got absolutely overrun by people getting there finally for the first time. Like finally they had time. Finally, they weren't all maybe all the kids soccer games on the weekends and families could do something different. Yeah, yeah. This overscheduling that we've all been living in. Um, I don't know about you, but man, I don't ever want to go back to being so overscheduled. And I've heard you talk about like that you didn't really miss the travel; like you got to spend every day with your girls. And um, I feel the same way. I don't. I've finally got to put some roots down really deep, you know. And um, yeah, the the numbers don't lie. There's all kinds of studies coming out, or, or you know, the research even. The fitness industry is showing this, the adventure travel industry is showing this, you know. And yes, we're you and me, like in my business, travel and fitness talk about two sectors that just got nailed, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's been a rough year. We have to pivot and um, adapt and everything as we catch our breath. But also, the outdoor industry is showing data like hard goods just went through the roof. Uh, you can't get a bike. I mean, the, they were. If you didn't have a bike by last June, you were not going to get one. Stand-up paddle boards are sold out. Um, uh, and I think it's fantastic. I just think it's really great that there's the opportunity in this really difficult <laughs> last 15 months or so, right? Is like, well, what are we going to do now if we can't go inside to move our bodies? Like, where are we going to do that? And I think it's it shows also like people, there's something happening out there. that's making them want to go do it again.
1: Well that you have people leaving the cities like people are moving out of Los Angeles and droves. people have left San Francisco people have left Manhattan and they're moving out because now that we now that workforce is because what I've been told by people in business who who are much smarter than I but what I've been told is that we are looking I mean going forward majority of the workforce is going to remain remote because why would a business pay for five floors of office space When they can have a remote workforce and pay for maybe one floor of office space and be able to save X amount of money on overhead, do you think that's going to change our fitness habits?
0: I think there's an opportunity for it, too. And I'll tell you what I hope it doesn't do. I mean, what I... I, I, I know 71,000 apps in the fitness and wellness space were published on the Apple store last year, Wow, 71,000. And I know this cause I'm working on an app myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So I'm keeping track of things, but um, you know, we saw what Pelot- you couldn't get a Peloton bike. Um, I fear that part of the change that we're going to see that doesn't reverse itself is people retreating more and more behind the screen. Hmm. And, you know, I mean, every, so many fitness trainers, if you weren't already in the online space, which is, we all need to be, let's just admit it. We, you know, that's, that's the way this is going. But if you weren't already there, you were probably desperately trying to figure out how to be there and, you know, to help people, like we said, like, it's kind of a giving profession. We're just in it to help other people and share our love of the body and of health and movement but um, I hope it doesn't stay a permanent thing because I've, we all know that we already have a mental health crisis in this country and we do not need to spend more time all by ourselves behind another screen.
1: No. Well, to come back to that, I interviewed a number of years ago, I interviewed John Wolf, who's the chief fitness officer at On It, and he talked about our hands are made for tools and for listeners i mean we are talking via video so i'm holding up my hands doing jazz hands and listeners can't see that but our hands were made for tools they weren't made for screens they weren't made for keyboards so you're kind of so you're kind of i think tapping into that innate the, 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 some kind of innate physiology that we just we overlooked that we didn't realize that, that we were missing now you took your information, and one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you um, is you you took all this information and you wrote you wrote a book, and it's Adventures in Na- Mother Nature's Gym. What was it? What what caused you to write that book? And what do people get out of reading that?
0: Um, I'll be honest. Somebody approached me, and uh, one of the fitness certifying bodies approached me and said, "Hey, we like what you're doing, and why don't you write a book?" Oh, and I'll back up. First, I wrote an article that got published in the Idea Fitness Journal. And, um, like I approached them and I said, I saw an article that had been published and I said, what do you think? I I would love to take that topic a little deeper and share what I've been doing. And they gave me the opportunity and that I heard from clients around there or from trainers around the country who wanted to lead their own trips, who didn't know how to do it. So they reached out and I helped a couple of trainers get their trips up and running. And I was like, Wow. People there's there's other people out there who want to do this, you know? And um, and then the fitness the other uh a a friend of mine who was my fitness manager when I lived in Mammoth Lakes was working for this fitness certifying body. And sorry, the acronym's not coming to me right now. They're not one of the big ones. And um and so she reached out and said, Hey, we we like what you're doing. Why don't you work with us and we'll be your marketing distribution partner? And that was a number of years ago, actually. And um and I was like, well, I never thought about it, but I'd love to try, right? And I had some writing chops from my former career as a biologist and environmental consultant. I wrote a lot, actually. And I'd written a couple of short stories as a guide that got published. So oh, cool. Writing is writing one of those skill sets that somehow I have. And so I sat down and I, I actually partnered with um, – at the time, I was going to write it as an interactive online platform, um, which was kind of ahead of its time. Now that's pretty common, but six years ago, it really wasn't. And I partnered with some educational, they were what master's degree in educational technology or something. So they helped, they guided me how this thing should be ordered. And you know, this from writing your books, like, okay, so you have all this information in your head and you need to breathe, do a brain dump, but how do you organize the thing? Um, And so I worked with them and they guided me um, in how to make this thing a proper course. Um, But it was really the writing process went very quickly. It took me about six weeks to just sit down and say, what have I been doing? And who do I look to for research and let me cite them? And so there's, you know, several pages of citations in the back. And um, it's been a bumpy road. I finally, finally self-published it um, a year ago, a year and a half ago. And it's on paperback on, uh, paperback on amazon.com where it's available to everybody. And I hope consumers and people interested in this will read it also. And then I've created a course, uh, out of it as well for personal trainers. And that's Wait,
1: that. you have, you got a book on Amazon? sells books. What, really?
0: You know, crazy.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, considering that's what that's what it started at. And what can people learn? I mean, what do people learn from Adventures in Mother Nature's Gym? I mean, a lot of listeners out there might be. Well, I'm not a personal trainer, but they might be interested in, in taking an adventure vacation because I don't know if you, you you realize this. You you probably do, but one of the biggest things to blow up in the last year, maybe a couple years, uh, is overland camping where people have. They have tents now on their vehicles. I was wondering what all those things were. I started seeing on the tops of trucks and jeeps. So you have overland camping, and then you have these killer vans like the Mercedes Sprinter vans oh, yeah. that are like upwards of a hundred, you know, hundred thousand dollars. And so you have this whole evolution now of people looking to get outside. But what what can people learn? Is it can consumers get something out of adventures and mother adventures in Mother's Nature's gym?
0: Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. The answer is yes, and And I actually just sent the book on a a trip with a travel writer who is camping her way down the South. And And she's actually a fitness person too. And I said, hey, I would love to send you this book as your road companion. And you can be staying consciously healthy as you're doing this thing, right? And so what's in the book, I break it down into basically mind, body, nature. So it's full of meditations and different mindfulness activities that you can do in green spaces, in water spaces, and then I include the desert because that's where I spend so much of my time. Um, the idea is okay, you know, like I realized I can't just go, go, go all the time. Like recovery is an essential part of my well being, right? So say somebody's out there cycling, and I mean, we could try it with you. You take your, your, uh, did you say 40 miles, 40 minutes, 40 40 (laughs) (laughs) minutes.
1: It's straight uphill for 40 minutes and downhill for 15. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that for 40 miles, but thank you.
0: Um, but it's like, okay, so, so what's something you could do as you're looking at the ocean that not to say that just been looking at it is not enough because it absolutely is. But you can go deeper and if you're a family out there with kids and you want them to know about the planet and you want to instill in them uh, an ethos that cares about the planet beyond just plain eating organic food and recycling right like no what is this planet and what you know if we're made out of it how can we actually interact with it so there's a bunch of activities like that in the book and there's and it talks about like what's happening up here okay like Um, what are, what are some of the names of our chemical, of the chemicals that our brains releasing that actually causes us to be relaxed if you're interested in that. But then what it does, there's actual trip planning tools in here. Like, okay, well, how do I pick a place in my own, forget about doing some massive trip, right? What's in my own backyard? What's where's a state park within an hour of my house that me and the kids can go to for half a day. And what are we going to do when we're there? And maybe what is a workout we can do before we paddle so that we don't get so sore? because We sit at a desk all week, and now this is going to be an activity. So there's also an exercise library with about 40 exercises in there, just mind, just the mat workouts, you know. Um, and that's part of what I'm adapting to put into an app too. So um, that's the gist of it: mind, body, nature—these three things—and how do we, how do they interplay with each other?
1: Well, I love that, Mel, and and, and from watching you from a distance again via Facebook, I'm not stalking you. Don't 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 get No, no, a,
0: we're Facebook but, friends. But
1: yeah, but but watching you from a distance and seeing you post on that, I'm I'm approaching fifty. I turned forty nine this year. My kids are young. They're they're in first and third <clears throat> first and third grade. They'll be in second and fourth grade next year. And I'm really looking ahead in the next ten years. And there's a whole trail network. From right here, you wouldn't know it. I'm like pointing to it like you can see it for, for, for people that might see us on YouTube. I'm pointing to it, but there's a whole trail network that goes from about um, Solana Beach All the way up into the hills up in in East San Diego County. They're putting together a series of trails that you can do. And so what I've told my daughters is like as you get older, I'm trying to get them into like little day hikes. And I love that you said start local. You don't need to plan some huge adventure vacation. But I'm trying to get my daughters. So what I want to be able to do with them is as I hit 50 and they hit their teens – if they want to spend time with their dad, I'm hoping they do, but that we can go out and do some of these hikes. I want to do this whole trail. I don't want to do it all at one time, but I want to do it in chunks and make that our goal as they get older together and, and be able to do that. And One of the things that we did recently for spring break was I took them up to Joshua Tree. I'd gone to Joshua Tree quite a few times when I was in college in Southern California, and it was so cool to go back to Joshua Tree and to take them there. And, and I just had a very loose plan. Both daughters like to climb. I always went and climbed a couple piles of rocks, but real quick, as we get ready to wrap up, what is it, why is being in the desert so transformative? Every time I'm in the desert, whether I'm on a bike or whether I'm just hiking around, I don't know if it's the smell of the dirt, just the wide open space. You kind of, you talked about it a little bit earlier and it got me thinking because you referenced the desert desert one or two times, but every time I'm in the desert, Mel, I just feel down-regulated what what can you talk a little bit about you, you mentioned the brain chemistry yeah. what could be going on in our brain that that causes that feeling of just like as soon as we leave the car and we're there and we smell it and we see the wide open spans what's happening in our brain as a result
0: i love that you just asked that question and i just barely tapped into my own desert experience a couple of weeks ago like i was just really overwhelmed for some reason like some kind of information overload right was going on in my head. And I was like, I just need to go to the desert. <laughs> so like I went down there and I can tell you exactly what is happening there. And it's really cool. It's called the Schumann resonance. So there was a scientist at NASA, his last name was Schumann. And he discovered that the earth has a resonance, mm. right? Like a frequency that it is emitting. And if you think about it, this is not woo. This is not some woo-woo weird thing. Like everything's a matter of chemical and mechanical exchanges, right? Chemistry, things in our body airwaves frequency. Um, so the earth has a magnetic gravitational pole, right? It has a frequency that matches the beta relaxed state in our brain. Wow. And I remember a doctor. So she wrote the forward to my book. Her name's Karen Koffler and she's an integrative uh, physician Who's now at uh university of Miami. Um, but I met her when I was in Canyon ranch in Miami beach years ago. Um, and she, brought her kids out to Utah for a desert trip after I got to know her. And I guided them around the desert for a few days. And she's the one who taught me about that. And I had never heard this, but I'd experienced the same thing you were talking about. And I'd seen it happen to my clients. Like, what is this like calm that's coming over me? And so that's when I went in and did the research and found that literally they have found it's the same hurts. It's like seven. I'm going to get the number wrong. I, I made an Instagram post about this recently. It's like, uh, for your listeners, I don't, I don't, I'm afraid to throw out the wrong number, right? But it's like seven point something hertz is the frequency that the earth emits. It's also the beta, uh, the beta brainwave, which is our relaxation. And what I think, so again, not to sound all woo woo, but I have heard the frequency when I'm in the desert before, like I'll be laying in my sleeping bag. And, and you hear this like, <laughs> no, look around. There's not an, there's not an electric line in sight. There's nothing, but you can hear it when you get into that relaxed state.
1: Well, so, if, if I remember meditation, if I remember reading about meditation and I mean we have theta, we have theta brainwaves, we have beta brainwaves. And one of the things about meditation is we're tapping into our beta brainwave and And that's one of the things I've done sometimes on a hike or on a mountain bike is I'll take five minutes and just meditate a little bit just to kind of, it is funny you say that because it's not woo-woo. Everything admits an electrical frequency. Everything is on a certain frequency oscillating on a certain hertz or megahertz. And what I try to do sometimes, I'm not successful all the time, but at least sometimes I make the conscious effort, Mel, is I try to have that meditation of just kind of like, getting in resonance with, with where, where I am and just kind of tapping into that energy. And it's amazing that even just for a few minutes, I just thinking about it now, I can kind of feel my body down regulate a little bit. And is that why, I mean, that that's why you build meditation in your book, obviously, correct?
0: Yes. yes 100%. We need that down regulation. We are so in our, you know, we're, so, or a sympathetic nervous system in our, in our lives right now, the way we're living. So yeah, 100%, that's why I added that because number one, I started seeing it happen in my clients and I was like, what is going on? And I just, to be I realized like, okay, I'm just a facilitator here. There's something magical happening here that I actually have nothing to do with. I'm just setting the stage so that people can have a safe experience. I'll, I'll put the framework to it, but let me just get them out there and the earth will do its thing. And that comes back to biophilia and our genetic need and desire to have a connection to nature. Just put yourself out there and it's going to happen. You don't have to work. These tools in here will help you if you need a little help to get started. Um, but, but exactly, just think of it as resonance. I think anyone who goes to the ocean has felt this too. It's, that's a really easy place to tap into it.
1: Well I can tell you there's a hill in Encinitas that I come over that as soon as you crest the hill in a car and you see the Pacific Ocean out in front of you automatically I can just feel whatever I'm whatever I'm whatever however I might be feeling I'm usually pretty chill but even just coming over that hill and seeing the blue of the, of the Pacific Ocean it just is automatically like Ah, <laughs> you know I live in North County, San Diego. So what do I have to be stressed about? No, it's funny to hear, but it's funny to hear you put that. And and to wrap it up here, Mel, I want to say a huge thank you for I, when I saw the book had come out and following your work, I, I I put it in my mind. I actually wrote it down on a list I keep. potential guests that I wanted to have you on in spring of 2021 because I wanted you to get people like motivated to go outside. So I'm a little late in contacting you, but we're going to post this in May of 2021. So I really, it's so funny because I can't remember if I was hiking or on a mountain bike and all of a sudden, boom, I was like, I got to contact Melanie. I got to get in. And then literally within 24 hours, you sent me that message. So whatever frequency we were operating on, we were on the same vibe. So I want to say thank you for that reminder um and that but where can people get more information about what you're doing where can people obviously they can find mother adventures and mother's mother's nature gym i'm saying i'm saying that wrong i don't know why i can't mouthful you wrote it's
0: a mouthful mother nature's gym
1: (laughs) mother 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 nature's i have it written as mother's nature maybe that's why i put the apostrophe s in there and i should i have mother's apostrophe s instead of mother Mother nature. Nature. That, that, that's my mistake. I apologize. But adventures in mother nature's gym that's available on Amazon, but what, what are your websites and where can people get more information about what you're doing? And if they want to, and I know you're doing something different, but they want to to speak with you about setting up their own adventure vacation, give them the information so people can find out about that.
0: Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. And, and I'd absolutely love to have have people now they can come to me in park city that's the cool thing about living in park city (laughs) i could still do it traveling myself so yeah so yeah please visit my website it's webwell.com w-e-b-b-w-e-l-l.com and uh i have a facebook group which i would love to invite people to as well it's called mother nature's gym online oasis and I'm trying to just share, you know, share health and wellness tips and things like that there. And I'm on Instagram at soul fit adventure. And that's S O L Fit Adventure. So yeah.
1: I'm at have all that linked down below in the show. And Mel, it's so much fun because it's been a number of years since we've seen each other and, and yeah. being 2D is cool, but being 3D is always even cooler. Um, but it's so fun to see what you've done and to see how you're kind of doing something so different. And I really have to say this is such a you're doing such a cool powerful thing that I know you're having an effect not just on the people that you work with but just putting the energy out there and again I'm gonna go a little woo woo but hey we I am in Southern California I'm allowed to do that <laughs> but you're putting that energy out there and I know that's having an impact on people so I want to say thank you for what you're doing and thank you for taking the time to join me on the podcast.
0: Thank you Pete it's been so fun catching up with you and yes I'll look forward to catching up in
1: 3D. If you want to see that interview as well as hear it you can go to the All About Fitness Podcast channel on YouTube. That's right. All About Fitness Podcast has its own channel on YouTube. Not only will you see most of the interviews that I'm able to, to get with my guests, but I also put up their great tips and information that you can use to learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. As I said in the beginning, we, we all have those coworkers who we're friends with, we know. You exchange pleasantries with them. Hey, how you doing? Maybe you chat for a few minutes, and but you don't really know them. You know them a little bit, but you don't know them, know them. And that's what it's like being a personal trainer, right? You might work with somebody in a gym for a number of years, but most of the time you're with a client. The other individuals with a client, and you might say, hey, "How you doing?" You might talk for a few minutes on breaks between the hour. You know, if you have clients showing up a little bit late or, or a little bit early or whatever. But you don't really get to know people. And I've known all that to say, I've known Melanie now for a number of years, since 2004 when we first started working together. And we worked together for a few years. And at one point, I moved from D.C. to Boston. And I was an area manager for the Sports Club L.A. when she was still a trainer there. And we connected through Facebook like people do. And I knew that she'd moved back west. And I'd also been keeping an eye on her. In a way, just because I knew she was doing some really interesting things. I mean, I saw her post about taking clients out for these killer backpacking trips around Utah. I've driven through Utah, but I've never really spent much time there. And it's one of those things where I'd love as somebody who mountain bikes, as somebody who's getting more into hiking. I definitely want to – Melanie and I talked after the conversation. I told her at some point I'd like to invest in an RV so I can take my kids up to Utah or in other places in the West. I mean, there's so many areas to go out and explore. And if you spend any time, I I thought that was fascinating to me, the fact that there's a certain resonance, a certain frequency in nature. If you spend any time in nature, you you can feel that. I'm so lucky to be living here in Southern California. And and that's one of the reasons why I make the choice to live here. It's certainly not the most affordable place to live. And it's certainly not the most convenient. But there really is something about being in a place where you have both mountains Well, you have mountains, you have desert, and you have ocean because I can feel the energy. If I go for a walk along the beach, my feet in the sand, grounding on the earth, that's a whole, I I am looking for an expert in grounding because I do want to talk about that. It's a whole different subject, but about how the body connects with the earth. If you're walking on the beach, your feet in the sand, the ocean on one side, you feel the wind coming in. There's a certain energy there. When you're up on a mountain, whether you're hiking or on a mountain bike, it's And you take a stop, you stop, you look around, you you take a gaze. You can feel the energy. I can feel the energy coming off the mountain. And I shared with Melanie. I took my kids, I took my daughters to Joshua Tree National Monument over there spring break. And we spent just, we didn't really do any formal rock climbing, just climbing up and down boulders. And I'd gone to Joshua Tree during college, went to school, went to undergrad, not far from there. And Joshua Tree is one of these amazing places where you can just feel you can feel nature not just see it there's a smell there's a feel and that's why when i saw that that melanie had written written this book adventures in mother nature's gym that, that i knew i wanted to have her on as a guest especially now i, I want to do this now it's, it's may i'm recording this in may of 2021 hopefully you can get motivated by this to get outside as much as i love exercise and i love exercise in the gym don't get me wrong I love picking up a heavy barbell. I love swinging a kettlebell. I love everything about a gym. I've been working in gyms for 20 years. But I also enjoy getting outside. One of the reasons why I train indoors is to get outside and and do what I enjoy. If you follow me on the All About Fitness podcast channel on Instagram, if you follow my Instagram feed, you see me. I do a lot of posting about mountain biking. That's because the way I look at it, I train in the gym to be able to go do what I want to do outside. I train the gym so I can go for a hike. I train the gym so I can go for a mountain bike ride. I train the gym so I can go play an old boys rugby tournament, whatever it is. And that's why I look at it. I think so many of us that are into fitness, we, we hold the gym up as kind of like the holy grail of exercise, going to the gym, going to the gym. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have Katie Bowman on and one of the reasons why I wanted to interview Melanie was to open up this concept that we don't need the gym. Same with Mike Fitch and Animal Flow. Yes, the gym is a space dedicated to exercise, and yes, we can get great workouts there, but really, anywhere you take your body, you can get a great workout, whether that's a hike, whether it's a bodyweight workout, whatever it is. And that's really what I'm trying to expose you to on the All About Fitness podcast. I'm really trying to get you to understand that exercise, there's a lot more options for exercise than takes place just in the four corners of a gym or the four walls of a gym, or you have more options than just the video streaming workout. And that's the main thing, right? As long as you're active, as long as you're doing something, some sort of physical activity. Somebody asked me recently, do you exercise every day? And the answer is, well, that depends on what you define exercise as. I look at exercise as specific, purposeful movement. And I do that every day. Every day I at least try to go out for a 15 to 30 minute walk. At least. I don't always lift, I don't lift weights every day, I don't ride my mountain bike every day. I don't go out and do sprints every day by no stretch of the imagination. But I do have a plan for every day to go out and do some purposeful movement. That could be a walk around the neighborhood. That could be a heavy deadlift session. That could be a killer kettlebell session. That could be an awesome mountain bike ride. Whatever it is, I do have a plan to be active every day. And I really, I urge you, I encourage you to do the same. Whatever activities you enjoy, video workout, in live, or whatever works for you. That's what I wanted to bring to you. This wraps up my series on creative fitness, creative ways to do fitness. It's a lot of fun talking to these experts. I got a couple other things planned. I got some great programming coming up. If you're still listening in, engage with me. Send me an email, pete at petemccallfitness.com. That's pete at com. Check out the All About Fitness podcast channel, both on YouTube and Instagram. And as always, thank you for stopping by. And I will look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.